This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant leader. We've got the pleasure today of visiting with the, the, the CEO, now CEO of Emeritus of Centera Healthcare. Under the leadership of Howard Kern, Centera Healthcare grew from, uh, you know, to give it on the revenue side, and that's not the most important side, from a couple billion dollars in revenues to 10 or 12 billion dollars in revenues. But more importantly, the quality of the healthcare at the system, the constant focus on quality and safety, which was sort of the biggest priority and leadership quality that I think of when I think about Howard Kern's leadership. Howard, let me ask you to take a moment. You had great growth at Sincera Health, but you had great improvement in quality and safety over the course of your leadership. Take a moment and tell us a little bit about your background Maybe the history of your involvement with Centera Healthcare. Scott, thank you. And it's always a pleasure to be chatting with you. And thank you for all those very nice things you just said about me. I don't deserve half of them, but I'll, I'll take them nonetheless. I've been with Centera uh, 43 years. At the end of December, I'll be finishing off 43 years there. And we'll have officially uh, separated and retired from the company at the end of this year. Um, it has been just an amazing experience uh, with a great company, with great people, uh, board leaders, management, all kinds of people that I learned from over the years. Uh, so it's just I have been blessed and, and very fortunate to have had that benefit. Centera is a integrated delivery system, as, as you alluded to. Uh, we started when I first came there with two hospitals that were in Norfolk, and we have 13 now. And more importantly, something actually that I started was the health plan back in, in 1982. And the health plan started pretty much in Norfolk. And it's, it, it grew and has grown uh, to a point now where we're, you know, we're about a million and a half lives. And um, it's really been the fastest growing part of Centera. Uh, you talked about the quality. Uh, I can't uh, begin to tell you what an important journey that's been with some you know, great leadership emphasizing that as the core focus, physician leaders, management leaders. I think the one thing that I would point out that really has driven our quality and most importantly done it as we grew is the focus on taking out unwanted variation and trying to standardize along the best practice we found anywhere within our system. Uh, too many organizations get caught up in the ideology or hubris, if you will, of, well, it's only done one way at the big house, so that's the way everybody's got to do it. We always took the approach that wherever it was really done the best, and it was data-driven, uh, not emotional or opinion-driven, uh, that's where we focused, and that's what we emulated across the system. We actually won uh, two years the IBM Watson award, and we did it based on our quality data. One of the graphs that was great in that regard was a, a, uh, a chart, a dot matrix kind of chart where it showed all our hospitals with their relative quality and overall effectiveness uh, 
it was, it was I mean, we were all over the map. All our hospitals were in different places. And after we had put this program together, you know, they, they measured our progress and we literally put everybody up in the upper right hand quadrant up towards the, the very peak where Mayo Clinic, frankly, owned that that piece of real estate because they do such an incredible job. And we were right up there with them for all our hospitals, which to me was more important than just having one or two great hospitals. All of our hospitals were up there. And um, so that's, to me, the the major cultural kind of emphasis on quality that allowed us to be so successful. Fantastic. And, and Howard, I watched your leadership career, not from the very start, but from the moment you started as the leader at Centera Healthcare as the CEO, you know, and, and, and watched this, this really great focus on you know, what I always think about is, the, yes, understanding all the economics of the business, but what I really think about constantly is quality and safety and how much of you made that your focus constantly. Take a moment on what advice you would give to emerging leaders? What advice sure. would you give to emerging leaders when you think about, you know, healthcare and running systems and everything else or, or generally? Great, great question. I would start with uh, an admonition to all emerging leaders to be bold. Take measured risks. Don't play it safe. You're not going to get anywhere playing it safe. That doesn't mean we're going to bet the farm and you're going to make these, you know, really crazy bets. But you want to be able to take measured risks and be bold. You're not going to make dynamic change in the healthcare environment unless you do that. And I also would say to our emerging leaders, and some of our not emerging leaders personally, don't forget that we are here to care for people. And where possible, cure them. But absolutely, across the board, ease suffering and pain. And too often we forget that that's what we're here for. And I, I think that's always something that's important to remind people of. So those two key messages would be what I would uh, want to emphasize. Thank you. When you look at the healthcare environment today, so different than the one you were involved with 43 years ago mm-hmm. when you first yeah. started, so yeah. different on so many levels. What, what are some of your observations? What are things you're watching today? What gives you hope? What gives you concern? Are there things that give you hope? Yeah. Are there yeah. things that give you concern? I, I, probably some of both. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about how you look at things today versus 40 years ago. Sure. When I was in grad school, Scott, uh, back in 78 uh, and 79, uh, I remember there was a lot of consternation amongst economists and policy level people that when the GDP for healthcare hit 15, the world would end. And uh, if, yeah, the economy of the US would just collapse because that, that much spending on healthcare was unsustainable. Well, obviously we're, we're up in the high 18s now. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think the same concern uh, is still there that healthcare spending as a subset of the overall GDP cannot continue to grow at the pace it has grown uh, without having a significant drag on the U.S. economy. I, I also watch in the same kind of view uh, the, the various M&A, merger and acquisition trends going on in healthcare. A lot of activity there in, in provider-based services and health plans, in the high-tech and biotech industries. And uh, there's a lot of 
lot been written, and I'm not going to repeat a lot of it about whether the you know the efficiencies and and customer benefits are there for all these mergers, and there are a lot of regulators and and policymakers contemplating that. What I will say is that we need to find a clear direction as an industry, and I'm not just talking hospitals and doctors, I'm talking the health plans and and pharmaceuticals and biotech, in in a way that makes sense to move the industry, you know, in in a constructive direction, and then to the extent we have a clear agenda for that, affect M and A as as an appropriate strategy. So why my way of looking at it one of three scenarios is going to happen in the next 10 years. And I don't know, and I'm not advocating for one of these. I'm just thinking out loud. One, one is we keep going along just like we are and spending money like crazy and merging and consolidating. And, you know, that just drives the cost of healthcare up. And there are many, many examples of that, not just in the hospital and doctor side, uh, also pharmacy and PBMs and health plans. Uh, all showing that trend. And there's been a lot written in your journals and, and others about that. Uh, so going, we just keep going like we are and we keep spending more money and, and the economy keeps getting dragged down. Second solution, which is getting a lot of airtime, uh, but not a lot of action, frankly, is a single payer, single uh, governmental system. Medicare on steroids, if you will. And uh, there, you know who the players are that are driving that. Uh, that'll be a it'll be a difficult you know sell in Congress and and depending on who's in the in, in the White House uh, to get that done. But uh, it's a scenario that I think we're going to continue to hear about the, the single payer government run run system. I think there's pros to that. There are definitely some cons to that. And I won't take your time with that at this point. The third one is an interesting one. Is 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 a notion of a a regionally broad-based pay-vider strategy. And that's not necessarily healthcare systems being integrated delivery systems or payers buying more doctors. It's a really, uh, it's a regional approach to creating a, uh, right, right word for it, I'm, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a uh, utility like, a, like the, the electric company or the gas company but creating more utility-like structure that allows these entities to work together to serve a population and allows for their, some level of governmental you know, influence, or I don't like using the word control, but government involvement in, in the way these things are structured and how prices are set, but allows for a more unified or integrated approach to all the dimensions of healthcare that are needed to make the system work. And do it regionally because I mean, healthcare has always been a regional, local phenomenon. I just don't see us doing it on a national scale. And so, one of those three has got to happen. And I, I'm really interested in watching these trends to see where that goes. It is a fascinating perspective because, from people that probably start from our perspective, the concept of the national healthcare system would have seemed so crazy as a concept. 10, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. But now that Medicare, Medicaid are more than 50% yeah. of coverage anyways, yep. and yep. as we look at sort of the sprawling situation, 50 different Medicaid programs, a VA program, yep. four huge payers, and then yep. dozens of other payers, 
the idea of a national health system and yep. a way of doing things becomes more attractive, particularly if maybe you stack on a concierge system on top of it, because it, yep. it, it does seem like somehow or another, like the, the, the concept that at least people like myself that start off as free market people and have watched us for 30 years uh, now sort of see like uh, probably somewhere in between is where we're going. It always reminds right. me of like some of the campaigns a couple of years ago where people said you know, there were campaign posters that said, get the government out of my Medicare. Yeah, and and it was so backwards because of course Medicare yeah. is a government-run program, government and so. and unfortunately Medicare is one of the most loved government-run programs, and we sort of now have messed it up with this Medicare Advantage, and that's not a that's not a yeah. oh my god because it costs more and it's giving people less options and people actually liked Medicare and it's not yeah. you know this transition to Medicare Advantage from Medicare is a debacle if you ask me, but a different yeah. set of perspectives. But it is fascinating to hear you talk about the potential of a of a single payer system and otherwise and so forth. And it doesn't get the sort of immediate knee jerk reaction from many of us that it might have gotten 20, 30 years ago. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yes, Scott, you're making a great point with yeah. But if you think about it, the the growth in Medicare as the population ages, the demographics of US population is just undeniably aging. So you'll see more and more of a U.S. population in Medicare uh, over the years. And guess what happened in 2022? More than half of all babies born in the U.S. were born on Medicaid. Think about that. No, it's and, really an amazing thing. Yeah. It, it, it's really where, where, where it's going. Let, yep. let me ask you another question, because everybody that was a leader like you were, that this full-time leadership you know, job for so long. And, you know, the average tenure of a CEO is relatively short. It's longer than that of an NFL running back, but it's not that long. <laughs> it's a high stress job. I mean, it's a yeah. very high stress job. What are you, what are you most excited about and focused on now as you step back from that CEO suite? What, what are you focused on now in, in terms of, you know, what do you do post, post, you know, into retirement or not retirement or yeah. you do this yeah. next phase of your life? What are you focused on now? Great, great question. I mean, what am I doing now? I'll just give you a quick summary. And, and uh, I'm staying involved in community boards that I've been on as a CEO. And uh, there's, there's, there's a number that I'm staying involved with that are personally interesting to me and meaningful. I'm also involving myself in a number of very interesting companies that are, in one way or another, involved in the new and creative and innovative technologies that are evolving around healthcare. Uh, a company called Vail, which is uh, an offshoot of Avia. I don't know if you know the folks from Avia. They're right down the street from you in Chicago. Um, of course, of course. Yeah. And uh, they're working on digital platforms to deliver healthcare applications, much like what Apple did and what Amazon did uh, in their, you know, their different platform applications. Uh, and I'm involved in that. And it's fascinating to be a part of that team that's working on that. Uh, a, a real, another interesting company, Libertas, uh, that is in the startup, very early startup phase, but doing some incredibly interesting work around supply chain and purchasing for hospitals that are you know, struggling to get competitive pricing for physician preference items. Fascinating company. You're going to hear more about this company in the next few years. And then ZocDoc, you probably know Oliver Karaz and, and ZocDoc. 
and we're, I've been working with him, and he's doing some really interesting work on the marketing uh, and networking customer you know strategies for doctors. Another one that I'm involved with, uh, BCI, British Columbia Investments, is one of the largest investor management investors in Canada, and uh, they needed somebody to help them with healthcare. Uh, they invest you know monies for the Canadian pension system and a whole host of others and want to be invested in healthcare. And I'm an advisor basically to their investment team. And uh, there's one other company I can't name because you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to name them without their permission. And I don't have their permission at this point, but it's really interesting being involved in these kinds of companies. And then lastly, I'm teaching. Uh, I'm uh, doing it very part-time, but uh, at both Medical College of Virginia, where I went to grad school, as well as Old Dominion University in Norfolk, where I'm where I live, uh, I'm teaching courses around healthcare, and uh, it's it's interesting to interact with graduate students, and and uh, it's still it's still always exciting to to teach young people. So that's what I'm doing. That's keeping me pretty busy. It seems like you've developed a great portfolio of things that you're doing. Just fantastic. For those that you haven't had the those of you that haven't had the chance to visit with Howard Kern a lot, it's been one of the great pleasures of my professional life. As good a person as they come, as high integrity a person as they come, just a great pleasure. Howard, I look forward to catching up with you again in not too long on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast and on the Becker's Healthcare Advisory Board. Just always great to visit with you. Thank you so and, much for and, joining and, us. And Scott, let me add a, a quick point, and, and I want to return the favor if you'll allow me. And I'm, I really got to say this, and I'm not saying it because you've been so kind to me. Uh, you have been an absolute phenomenal leader in healthcare, a thought leader, a, a convener of ideas, and the Becker's conferences and the magazine are outstanding. Uh, the, the the articles are awesome, and it's really been a pleasure working with you over the years uh, and watching you know the the healthcare you know publishing side that you've led, led grow and and be successful. So thank you, Howard. Thank you very much as always. Love getting a chance to visit with you. We'll do it more. Thank Good. you very much. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.